I'm John Burlingame, and welcome to Four Scores. In this series, we hear from today's most accomplished film and TV composers, who reveal to us the special moments, the challenges, the emotional journeys, and all that truly transports fans into another place, another time, another world. We're at Walt Disney Animation Studios in Burbank, California, where I'm joined by two of the musical talents behind the Disney Pixar film Coco. Jermaine Franco, an award-winning composer who co-wrote several songs in the film, and Tom McDougall, a Grammy-winning producer who is the executive music producer of the soundtrack. Coco was set in Mexico, and music is central to this story about 12-year-old Miguel, who discovers he has the heart and soul of a musician, and that one melody is powerful enough to span the ages. I began our conversation by asking Jermaine, who grew up on the border between Mexico and the U.S., to tell us a little about how her own experience and knowledge of Mexican music helped tell this story of family and remembrance. Welcome to you both. So, Jermaine, tell us a little bit about yourself and how that all played into what you would do on Coco. I'm a musician, percussionist, composer, orchestrator, arranger, music producer, and I've been doing, you know, playing music, performing since I was a young girl. Uh, my family is from northern Mexico, Chihuahua and Durango, and um, I'm second generation. I grew up on the border of Mexico and Texas. I went to Mexico every week for my Sunday dinners <laughs> to Ciudad Juarez. So I pretty much had the sound of Mexican music in my head every day, whether it was going to restaurants or just playing music in our, our household. I was a music nerd <laughs> from the beginning. I uh, used to have a snare drum that I put on a skateboard and I rolled it down the hill and I rolled it up every day because I couldn't leave it at the band and it was a steep hill. So I was very much determined because I love music. No one in my family did it, but I just loved it. And I performed in, you know, many youth ensembles and then I wound up going to a conservatory. And that was Rice University and that's where I started to really write music. Besides playing percussion, I played piano. So that definitely helped me to, you know, develop my skills as a writer. I used to play in a lot of orchestras. And I was set to take all these auditions as a percussionist, but I had that thing pulling at me, and it was Latin music. And so I moved here to L.A. I was very much into what is Mexican music and how does it relate to me and my heritage. And so that was my own journey. No one ever said, oh, you should do this. I just loved it. I found that connection to my ancestors, and that's what brought me to L.A., and then through theater, I got into film. Tom, let me start by asking you how Coco came about and why music was so important to that film. This was a rare movie that was going to a specific location, so it adds a different level of um, almost responsibility when you go to a place and you're saying you're going to represent this place that has real people in it. You know, if you think of Toy Story, we don't really say where it is, or A Bug's Life is any yard, or um, Finding Nemo is the ocean, you know, there's no proprietary folks that are there, but when you're going to make a movie about Mexico and Mexicans, you want to look at it a bit differently, so 
One of the first questions really to ask in any project from my perspective is, what is the musical imprint? And you really can't tell a story about Mexico without involving music. Why was Jermaine Franco the right person to add to this mix? Our biggest fear is to get anything wrong. I mean, literally anything wrong, a mailbox wrong, a a shirt wrong. Uh, But when it comes to the music, we knew we couldn't get the music wrong. We had to get people that understand this music and the very nuances, the the small choices that we, we might make and seem inconsequential could be very important. You know, general audiences aren't paying attention that deeply to exactly what we're doing. They're just going to the movies to be entertained. But when you're going to a specific location and representing people, we wanted to represent those people in the most honest way that we could. Jermaine sort of fit two of the critical criteria for sort of working with anyone in in movie music. One in particular for this movie was, you know, the understanding, the deep, deep understanding of what is Mexican music. And the second is making music for movies is incredibly complicated. And when I had worked with Jermaine, I just kind of filed away somewhere in my mind that she's one of those people. And there are a lot of them in the music, not enough, but that, that you know there are the people that you can go to and they can get things done. So again, knowing that she had the Mexican heritage and background and love of that music and the work ethic that comes hugely into play were the two factors that got her the job. Her first challenge was coming up with different versions of the song Remember Me, written by the Oscar-winning team behind Frozen's Let It Go, Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. Jermaine, who was the first Latina composer invited to join the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences music branch, drew on her love of Mexico's golden age of cinema, which featured the films of actor-singers like Pedro Infante to create the grandest version of Remember Me, for the Ernesto de la Cruz character in Coco. Remember me Though I have to say goodbye, remember me Don't let it make you cry For even if I'm far away, I hold you in my heart I sing a secret song to you each night we are apart. Remember. We had, uh, it went through multiple transformations. <laughs> yes. Um, that was the first job, and I took it very seriously. Yes. I, I felt it was an incredible opportunity. It was a great song, and I wanted to do my best to make it as authentic as possible. And so I felt that I needed to, you know, wow, Tom. (laughs) And so I just went all out. I spent many, many hours working on, you know, the guitars, the trumpets, the violins and programming and building it up into this whole kind of glamour, you know, golden age of Hollywood. But up in Mexico, the Mexico film uh, sound, the Pedro Infante, the, you know, those black and white movies that had so much beautiful Mexican music like they would just break into a song in the middle of nowhere and so I just watched so many of those and my grandfather by the way used to watch those as well so I just I wanted to make that something that he would be proud of so that was always my goal you know to make it something that somebody from Mexico, especially family members, would say, yes, 
that is the music. I remember also one of the earliest things you did was um, the arrangement of the castle logo music. That's right. Um, so, and this is kind of something we don't really ever do, but you know, for a movie like Coco, once that castle logo comes on, we want you to start to feel like you're going on the journey with us of where the story is going to take you. So I don't even remember whose idea it was. It might have been yours. But um, to do an arrangement of When You Wish Upon a Star in a Mexican style. So again, the minute that logo comes on, the journey starts, yeah, and we're heading of, to Mexico. Yeah, you're sort of immersed in the culture immediately. Yeah. Yes. Or even if you're unfamiliar with it, you know you're going somewhere else. You know, it's not just the big orchestra doing When You Wish Upon a Star that really, after the logo starts, the movie could kind of start. This one was starting right from the, the very beginning. And so was there a level of authenticity that you thought was necessary? I mean, lots of movies sort of pay lip service to a general sound. But was there something that was more specifically needed in Coco? Yeah. I mean, we bend over backwards to be authentic in any way we can in an animated movie. Everything you see in that screen, every sound you hear, we have to create. So when you're doing that level of work, then you, you know, you've every opportunity to get it right. So we do. There's no easy way out. If you're going to build a tree, you should research what that tree is going to be because it's no easier to make one tree than another tree. So we, we just start with an extensive amount of research and then just follow that path. A lot of directors will say something like, I want the city to be a character and it to have music. And unless you have an idea of what that actually means, it doesn't mean anything. But in Mexico, if you walk the streets, you do hear music coming out of every household or every corner or car. Remember Me is while important, is not the whole score. So I'm sort of curious about uh, what your role was in terms of developing the background music that we might have heard throughout the picture. There was the, the source music and then the score. And so you'll hear them weave, you know, with one through another as they go into the out, like to a plaza or to a market. There's authentic, real, live uh, Mexican players that you might have heard, you know, little snippets, but that's where we went to Mexico. Now, that's kind of interesting because you might not have. You might have recorded it all here. Yeah. Why did you feel you needed to go to Mexico, and who did you recruit to perform? Like, we live in fear of getting something wrong. So if you're making a movie that takes place in Mexico with Mexican musicians, well, where else would you go? You know, like, and there are plenty of talented Mexican musicians in Los Angeles, but it's about more than the people and the playing. It's about the experience. And I don't know, Jermaine can speak to it too, that when we went there, even the studio we went to was very unusual. <laughs> the elevator broke. We had to walk up and down the stairs, but everything added to getting this very particular thing. Whereas if we did it in the comfort of our own homes, it might have been a little less interesting. When you're trying to capture a culture, you should really try to get everything about that culture into that idea. So talk about 
I guess, producing, really, in Mexico. What was the experience like? It was one of the best experiences of my life, I have to say that. <laughs> I, I really do believe that. I Thank agree, you, Tom, yeah. for that. Sure. So uh, we basically wanted to select songs that you would hear in different areas in Mexico. Adrian Molina, who is the screenwriter and co-director, okay. who's also Mexican-American, and, and he's also the lyricist for the <laughs> yeah. songs that I wrote. To We are co-songwriters. And so we kind of, you know, we had this bond because we were both on the same mission of getting it right for our families. And then it was time to start doing a bunch of arrangements, a bunch of orchestrations. And one of the things that I thought was what some of these people aren't going to read music. How are we going to deal with that? So what I did was I made demos up of every song I programmed <laughs> and we had the music but if they didn't read a few of the, the groups did not read um, we'd let them hear it and then probably one of the musicians would be able to pick things out Four Scores is brought to you by the Four Scores playlist featuring music and interview clips from each composer featured in the podcast series including Jermaine Franco's Coco. The Four Scores playlist is available on all major music streaming services. Experience the magic behind the soundtracks you love whenever you want. Señoras y señores, buenas tardes, buenas noches, buenas tardes, buenas noches, señoritas y señores, to be here with you tonight brings me joy, que alegría, for this music is my language and the world is mi familia. You started to say, though, that you wrote some songs with Adrian. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us about those. How many were there, and did they already have specific moments in the film where they were going to make a point? Mm -hmm. Yes, they were very specific, you know, key moments in the film, and, you know, Adrian Molina is a wonderful writer, and his lyrics were so perfect and easy for me to set because I just somehow connected to them right away. We did Poco Loco together, and um, that one w was a really nice um, chance to, to really focus on the Jarocho um, style of music and is very much full of syncopated rhythms, which is a mix of African and Spanish and indigenous rhythms. So that's the one where you see Miguel singing for the first time. And uh, I had these boots from my mother that she had bought me in Juarez. <laughs> and uh, I just thought, I think this song could have that zapateado in it, you know, the, the <laughs> foot dancing, tapping. So I took a board and I took my boots and I, you know, added like an interlude in the middle. So then they animated to that. So for me, that was really great that I got to use those boots from my own, you know, backyard. <laughs> <laughs> and so then what we did with the group Mono Blanco was that we, I asked them to bring this piece of wood, it's called a tarima. And it's elevated, and it has holes cut for resonators. And we literally had the lead singer dancing, and then we recorded that. And so in the movie, when you see Miguel and Hector dancing, that is authentic zapateado from Mono Blanco.
some of the musical instruments that sort of made this authentic sounding that we hear? Well, for one thing, the percussion instruments like the turtle carcass um, <laughs> that you hit is an indigenous sound, and they usually hit it with uh, deer antlers. as quite a unique sound. Also, mainly the whistles and the, you know, bamboo flutes. And I think also it was the arrangement of how we use things. Like I would take things off a bongo and I'd put it on a timbale or also uh, the cajon. I use the cajon a lot because um, I felt like even though that's not indigenous to Mexico, it helped in some of the, the chase scenes that it gives it a lower bottom but it still feels, you know, ethnic. Because that, that's an African slave instrument where they took the, literally, the cajon means like a, a box, and they would play on the boxes from the shipping freights. You know, um, just small things like uh, bombos is a, is a nice sound. And there's also, there's another drum, which we use a lot. It's called a teponazli, and it's an Aztec uh drum used for dancing. The other thing I added was a conch shell, which are used often by the, the Aztec Indians. And then these little tiny flutes called silbatos, and they're made of clay. And so I, you know, added a, a lot of um, percussion, marimba, harp, guitars, flutes, and even have this call it's the true it's really this it's called the Aztec death whistle <laughs> and uh, this whistle that has a sound that when you hear it it's so unique you can't say anything else sounds like that and our favorite flute player Pedro Eustache yes. I knew he had it because I had used it on <laughs> something else I'm like Pedro bring the whistle and um, and so when Chicharron, you know, the older man, he he kind of like just goes, you see the gold dust and he just floats into the ether. That's the whistle. was a mariachi group, which was the Aguilas de Mexico. And then we also had a banda group called Tierra Mojada from Oaxaca. Banda music is a specific type of music which grew from the German influence and the European influence in Mexico. And it's specifically in Jalisco where these bands grew. And they're the umpa bands. But what's so amazing about them is instead of a tuba, it's a sousaphone, and the person who plays it stands for hours holding that. And there's also clarinets because there's wind. It's like a brass wind ensemble. And so there's certain moments in the talent show in Coco where you hear some banda music and you see the musicians live. And then you also hear them in the background. Remember when they go in the tunnel, you'll hear some distant banda music. So that group, actually, Banda is from Jalisco. But I wanted to kind of do a twist because this group was from Oaxaca, <laughs> which made them kind of groovier. And then we had the trio of Romanticos and the three guitarists with three-part harmony. I love that. 
We had the Jarocho music from Veracruz, this group called Mono Blanco, one of the most famous groups of that genre. And we had a marimba group, the Nandayapa family, which is a very famous family from Chiapas. They literally, that would talk about fun. You know, his uncle had built the marimba and the elevator broke. Yes. And they were carrying it up four flights of stairs and this thing is like the size of like two piano lengths you know side by side yeah i know i'm sure all of us look at our iphones every now and then and it's like oh i got ten thousand steps uh, that trip was like fifty thousand steps <laughs> going up and down that studio yeah, yeah. and and what was great was that we had we had it planned so there was you know a new session prepping while another one was was being performed and then there were musicians warming up below i wish we had like a lot of video of that because <laughs> it was just like a musical um in spanish intercambio it was like a cultural exchange that's how i felt it yeah. was and everything i produced all the sessions in spanish no translator we went non-stop for four days the musicians just played their hearts out. And I think you're right about had we done it from the comfort of our own homes, we wouldn't have had the experience we did, which was this real true coming together and sharing music and fun. And, you know, it was hard work sometimes. But there was also just those camaraderie moments yeah. where I just remember sitting amongst the musicians of Mono Blanco. And then they were just plucking out the Poco Loco song. And I just sat there listening to them. And I just thought, this is amazing. What color is the sky? Ay, mi amor, ay, mi amor. You tell me that it's red. Ay, mi amor, ay, mi amor. Where should I put my shoes? Ay, mi amor, ay, mi amor. You say, put them on your head. Ay, mi amor, ay, mi amor. You make me un poco loco, un poquititito loco The way you keep me guessing, I'm nodding and I'm guessing I'll count it as a blessing, that I'm only un poco loco I'm wondering when we see musicians on screen in the film How uh, accurate are yeah. the players? We did film those scenes and we filmed the players intricately so we would put cameras on the guitars, the specifics of what the hands are doing. And all of the animation was based on the performances of those human beings. Like musicians will come up to me and say, oh, that scene, much in need advice, the guitar. It's the only movie that's ever got the fingering right. A lot of this sounds like great fun in the way you assembled it and put it all together. But I wonder, were there some challenges? So for me, Coco was one of the most complicated movies I've ever worked on and so I've worked on musicals that have songs and underscore and I've worked on movies that just have underscore and no songs this movie one of the most complicating factors was it had original songs and then it had public domain or licensed songs then it had source music then it had its underscore so you had so many different components that went into what the musical identity of this movie was going to be. And again, we looked at it, we have to get them all right. So we have to figure out what are the needs of each of those moments and then how do we craft those compositions to match. Could I just mention something about the last song? Sure. Because I think that is a song that kind of makes people really cry. Remember me? Well, after the song and then going oh, into oh, yeah. Proud Corazon. Please. There's a remember me 
lullaby that really people are pretty much crying by that point. And then it goes, it was very beautiful. And um, that one is uh, Anthony Gonzalez singing with Mama Coco. And, and that's really sweet. And then it's very kind of quiet. And then we get into the Proud Corazon song, which was sort of a hybrid of of songs and that that was the struggle i was trying to like okay what was the struggle, <laughs> was struggle. I, I had so many great memories that the struggle was that song because we were trying to figure out uh where it should go and where it should start and you know we had multiple variation we finally settled on one and then the song got cut out and I was a little sad because I loved that song. And then I, I never, I was like, oh, I guess that song's out. Months go by. Yes. And then they decided to move it up sooner, to be right after the moment when Mama Coco leaves, you know, she passes away. And then it becomes sort of a score going into the song. And so it's very quiet, and you just hear, you know, Anthony singing his little bit of guitar. And so that was our transition. And because they moved it up earlier in the film, we got to keep the song in. <laughs> and then it becomes, you know, a big kind of fandango at the end. That was the struggle, was trying to figure that. How did that fit? How could we make it work in the amount of time we had? And it didn't happen. And then... Months later, it came back and it worked. So, what kind of impact did Coco have on your career? Well, I think it had a great impact. I mean, in the last 10 months, I did five features as a composer. I just finished co writing with John Debney, Dora. So, I've been able to, you know, just continue working and I think so many people saw the film and they loved the film, they loved the music and I think what it did was to put uh, my uh, work out into a bigger pool. And the Motion Picture Academy invited you to join. Yes, and it was pre-Coco. But that's also special in another way. Yes. Because I believe you're the first Latina to be invited to join the music branch. Isn't that right? That is correct, and I'm hoping not the last. Um, <laughs> I feel that uh, they're making a lot of big changes now in a good way. Tom McDougall, Jermaine Franco, thank you for being with us today. Thank Thanks. you very much, John. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Four Scores. Please make sure to subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you think. Leave us a review and tune in for the rest of the season. We're talking to so many incredible composers, you won't want to miss a single episode. Watch Coco and listen to the soundtrack wherever movies and music are enjoyed.